Welcome to the Mama Say Fit Podcast. Today is our birth story Friday episode, and we have Christina, who is one of my doula clients and is going to be sharing her induction birth story where she had an unmedicated birth with a vacuum assist. Welcome to the Mama Say Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Say Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. So in today's episode, Christina is going to be sharing her induction birth story. And it was an unexpected induction towards the end of her pregnancy due to potentially some complications with hypertension. And then also she was past her due date. And so for a lot of us, if we are planning to have an unmedicated birth, our goal usually is to have spontaneous labor, labor at home as long as possible, and then eventually show up at our birth location. And so when you're told that you need to have an induction or you're presented with the option of an induction, it can be really hard to navigate that and it sometimes can be really scary. And so things that I found really helpful for myself during my first birth when I was navigating a potential induction and things that Christina found really helpful while navigating her unexpected induction was understanding what all of your options are and understanding what those options mean. And so sometimes there's a lot of fear associated with Pitocin. Sometimes there's a lot of fear or unknowns associated with different interventions during induction. And so having a better understanding of how these different interventions are tools that are available to you to help you start labor and they're not evil or they're not good, like there's no morality attached to these interventions can better help you navigate your induction. So understand how your hospital navigates inductions, understand what your options are, the risks and benefits of each of them, how effective are these different inductions. And so having the conversation with your provider to get to a point where you feel confident that induction is the best option for you and then asking questions along the way and being very patient with the process can be a really good way to approach an unexpected induction and still make it a really positive experience. Let's take a quick break to share about our birth story sponsor, Balbay. Balbay is a perinatal company that intentionally designs support wear for your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Balbay was founded by a physical therapist and creates support bands, support leggings, bralettes, and other clothing items to support your entire perinatal journey. Did you know that you can wear whatever you want during a birth? You don't need to wear the hospital gown if you don't want to. We both love to wear the Balbay bralettes during both of our labors and births. The best part is you can wear the bralette after birth too for easy nursing. The bralette pulls down and is one of my favorite nursing bras. I sleep in the bralette almost every night and use it as my daily wear bra too. Balbay is one of our favorite maternity and postpartum wear brands. We are so grateful that they have graciously sponsored our birth story podcast episodes so you can hear real birth stories to learn from as you prepare for your own birth. Head to balbaybody.com and use code MAMASTAYFIT for 15% off your order. Thank you Balbay for supporting us throughout our motherhood journey. Thank you, Christina, for being here to share your birth story. So to start, can you tell us how your pregnancy was and how you prepared for your birth? Sure. So my pregnancy actually wasn't too bad. I never actually had too bad of uh, nausea or anything. I had tons of food aversions and then just kind of 
lots of headaches and fatigue, you know, I feel like that's pretty common. So overall, it wasn't wasn't too bad, I think, in the grand scheme of things. I think you hear a lot about um, really rough, rough, rough pregnancies, but mine wasn't too bad. So when it came to kind of preparing for birth, I felt like I really had to prepare myself because you can't expect what your pregnancy is going to be like. I don't think you can really expect what your birth is going to be like. So for me, a big thing is uh, researching your options, researching what can happen, what kind of interventions happen, and then what your pregnancy kind of looks like in those last couple of weeks, especially when it comes to monitoring at your doctor's office and things like that and how quickly it can kind of turn into an induction or maybe like a C-section, depending on how baby's doing and how you're doing. So for me, a big part of that was hiring a doula and kind of getting involved with Mama Stay Fit so that you guys were a resource for me and having not only you kind of on call, but everything that you kind of post for content and all of that was super helpful preparing me for birth and kind of any issues I was having in my pregnancy when it came to kind of pelvic pain or back pain. A lot of those videos are super helpful. I tried to stay relatively active through it. I mean, I was so tired in my first trimester (laughs) that it was just so difficult to really get in a workout every day, like a solid workout. But I did stay kind of, I'd go on walks every day. I'd go on hikes with my husband. And I think that really helped. And yeah, so having you guys kind of around helped me a lot. Your birth class, I feel like it's not one of those quote traditional birth classes that you would see at a hospital. I think it was better. It provided a lot more information for me and my husband. Like he really needed to know what was going on. He needed to know what kind of options there were, what was going on with the baby, what was going on with my body. Because I can't imagine just going into that without that information for me or my husband. Um, I mean, if he's going to be a support person while I'm in labor, I'd hope he'd actually be doing something to support me (laughs) instead of, you know, (laughs) God forbid he's just sitting there wondering when the baby was going to pop out. So... I think all that was integral into going into my birth and kind of mentally preparing me for what could happen because, like I said, you never really know what's going to happen. Getting induced was never my plan. I definitely wanted to labor at home for as long as possible. We live so close to the hospital. We live about five minutes. So that was my ideal going into my birth. I would love to have labored at home for a really long time. And then kind of when it came time to it, we would go to the hospital, hopefully just kind of be there for delivery. Gina would be with me pretty much (laughs) anytime during that. And so that was kind of what I thought would happen. And it was really good to have gone through with you guys about what kind of options there were when it came to induction, why you would need to get induced, if you just chose to get induced, what kind of interventions there are when it came to it, depending on like your bishop's score, all that kind of thing. I feel like so many people don't know what that is. And so when my plans changed and I got induced, I knew what my options were. I knew what I could do. I knew what I could say no to. I knew what I was comfortable with. My husband knew what was going on. My husband was able to support with that decision the whole time because he learned about all this with you guys. So I think that was a really big part of my prep. 
So let's get into the end of your pregnancy. So things kind of change from wanting to labor at home as long as possible to suddenly need a medical induction. So can you talk about the end of your pregnancy and then get into your birth story? Yeah. So the end of my pregnancy, I went over 40 weeks. That is not surprising, I think, but they kind of had me going two times a week for appointments. And just to monitor everything, I got that ultrasound that would check everything at my 40-week. I said everything looked great. Baby was in position. Everything was on track. Like I said, I had a really pretty easy pregnancy, healthy, no issues. But then I went in for an appointment when I was over 40 weeks, and I had a high blood pressure reading. And they pretty much didn't even finish the appointment. They just said, hey, you got to go into the hospital right now. We need to monitor you for the next couple hours expect to get induced tonight. So I said, wow, okay. I had my bags packed. I was ready to go. You know, pulled my husband in from work. We get to the hospital. I'm monitored. They run labs, you know, urine, blood. They've been, they checked me for my blood pressure pretty much every 20 minutes. And we were there for hours. The doctor finally comes in and said, hey, look, you never had another high reading, but If you had one more, we would be admitting you right now to stay in for hypertension. So they said since everything looked okay, I could go home, but they still wanted to schedule an induction. They were really busy that night. So Saturday, well, first off, we kind of thought about it because, you know, you do have options. And if it was just one reading, maybe it wouldn't be that bad if I waited. So there are a couple other things that were kind of like, well, you know, maybe we should go along Saturday, go for induction. I felt okay with it. Like in my gut, I was, you know, so tired of being pregnant at that point. I was like 41 weeks. My husband had to go out of state training. He's in the military. So he had a really hard date where he would be leaving, like come hell or high water and would be gone for a month out of state. So it would have been more beneficial earlier than later that I had this baby. That was on a Thursday that I had that high blood pressure reading and I feel like things can change so fast those last couple of days. I really wanted to avoid any kind of more serious um, complications with my blood pressure. So we scheduled an induction for two days later. I went in that Saturday. And by that point, I was three centimeters dilated. So they didn't have to do any kind of cervidil. The only option, the only problem kind of was that I was GBS positive. So I needed a round of antibiotics before I could start Pitocin. And that kind of delayed, I guess, the initial starting time. Because we got there at 8 p.m. Initially, they wanted to do a night induction. Because when they measured me a couple days earlier, I was only one centimeter. So they wanted me to go in at night. But by the time I got there, I was kind of in early labor, looking at the monitors. So they decided to just do a membrane sweep kind of see how my labor progressed while I had that first round of antibiotics. And then after that, we were starting Pitocin. So we can really get into it now, but the times are kind of difficult for me to remember. (laughs) I mean, it got a little blurry. Time is magic during labor. (laughs) Yeah, I really (laughs) had no concept of what was going on. But I can tell you, we got checked in at 8. And to kind of spoil the ending, he was born before 8 a.m., So things kind of moved quickly. I had that first round of antibiotics. They started Pitocin around midnight, I think. The nurse said, hey, we're going to increase this by one every hour as long as everything kind of looks okay if you're okay with it. 
I'm like, yeah, sure, of course. This sounds great. Not knowing. (laughs) Not knowing what Pitocin contractions are going to feel like. Hit me like a bus like two hours later. So it kind of felt like, you know, mild cramping wasn't that bad. I was trying to sleep. I was texting Gina about it. So she was aware where I was, what was going on. Maybe give her a good idea of when she would need to come in. Around midnight, I think they started you know, everyone's get some sleep, try and get some sleep. I tried. Um, the poor nurse was coming in every 20 minutes to adjust the monitor because it kept slipping off. So that was kind of rough. And then also we had Mexican food, so I was really refluxy. Like, there were all these things. <laughs> like, I'm not sleeping. It was an awful decision to have Mexican food before an induction. Meanwhile, my husband, who can sleep through anything, is, like, passed out on the couch. And you're like, okay, this sucks. So finally, I think around 3, I was getting contractions bad enough. I couldn't sleep. I brought my book. I was reading my book, kind of letting things progress. By like 3.45, it was bad enough that I couldn't even focus on my book anymore. I had to start breathing through the contractions. My nurse came in. She was so, so sweet. She's like, oh, do you want a comb to help with you know, pain management? They knew I didn't want an epidural. They knew that I had a doula. They were all super supportive of that. They were kind of excited, honestly, <laughs> that there was going to be a doula there with us. She brings me this comb. I swear it probably only helped for like 10 minutes. And after that, I'm like, <laughs> screw this comb. And so we end up on the birth ball after that. I had to get out of bed, kind of start moving on the ball. My husband's up at 345. Contractions are coming. I think she said every two or three minutes. I honestly could not tell at all, but they just felt like they were pretty much constant, which I'm sure they were. And he he looks at me and he's like, oh, how you doing? I'm like, <laughs> Not great, babe. Like, not great. (laughs) Do you think I'm doing good right now? (laughs) My gown's half falling off. Like, I got an IV in my arm, and I'm barely, like, I'm just surviving at this point. And he goes, hey, um, did you call Gina? I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to bother. It's four in the morning. She's got kids sleeping. Like, I don't want to bother her. And then probably... Less than 15 minutes later, I think I stopped caring um, that you had family because I was like, this is definitely active labor. I cannot sit, like, I'm not having a good time right now. I wanted an epidural. And my husband's like, no, you got to wait for Gina. And I was like, okay, 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 we'll call her. So we get her on the phone at 4.15 in the morning. And I think I just said, hey, come help. And that was it. And she's like, I'll be there in 30 minutes. So... I'm watching the clock like a hawk. I think that's the slowest my labor felt because I was just like waiting, waiting, waiting for this professional support because my husband's so supportive, but he's also, you know, has never been through this before. So I had no idea what was really going on, what to do. I kept telling him to do like hip squeezes and he kept doing too high and I was just screaming at him, lower, lower, do it lower. This is not what I need. So he kept saying, wait for Gina, wait for Gina. You don't want an epidural. I was like, I know I don't. That was my intention going in. I did not want one. I really wanted to try and have a natural labor. And even with the induction, I really wanted to try and have a natural labor. And so he kept telling me, wait for Gina, wait for Gina. Gina shows up kind of like an angel in the, you know, the light of the middle of the night and it was like such a calming presence. She comes in, she like took my gown off because it was hanging on by a thread, guys. And you don't care. You really, you don't care if you're naked in front of a bunch. It was a bunch of women and my husband. I'm wearing just like a bra. I saw my mask on. She like just gently took my mask off. Like it was very gentle. And then from there, it really gets blurry. It really got blurry. So I know... 
I got checked a couple times for my cervix. At one point it was six. I think another time it was like later on it was seven or eight, but there were some like milestones in between there and pushing. So at one point they said, we can have the doctor come in and break your water. That should move it faster. So I said, yes, you know, that sounds great. I'd love to get this thing moving faster because it was rough. I was having a bad time. I knew at some point in there, I think probably when I was in transition, I was like, I mean, even if you wanted an epidural, you know, four hours ago, you wouldn't have been able to sit still for it anyway. So, you know, you're just in this and this is, this is what's happening and you're going to get through it and it's going to be okay. And so I, at some point my doctor broke my water and then at another point, you said, hey, you know, they can probably turn down the Pitocin or turn it off if you want. And I was like, I had no idea I could do that. Hell yeah. Turn this thing off. It sucks. I was getting no breaks between my contractions at all. It was so intense. It was like one on top of another. Like I could not rest in between them. It was so exhausting. And then once we turned it off, I actually got some breaks between my contractions and it was amazing. Like I could breathe, my body could relax, which I think was, is so key. Like if you're just constantly tensed up, there were other points that, you know, Gina looked at me and she's like, you're tensing up. You need to like relax, which is so hard to do when your whole body's screaming. Just relax. (laughs) Yeah. Why are you having a bad time right now? (laughs) So she like kind of had some techniques to help, which they did. I was able to do like a low moan because at some point I think my screaming, because I was just screaming through my contractions to deal with the pain, was really high pitched. So she's like, no, you got to do the low, like a, I heard somewhere it's like a mooing. You yeah. moo like a cow, which is just an awful analogy, but it helped. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to relax your pelvic floor, right? That was that was great. They kept her and my husband were always giving me like water sips, um, which was super helpful. I didn't know how hydrated I would be because you guys just posted a video about you know peeing during labor. I was just on the bed peeing during labor. I was not. There's no way I was able to make it to a toilet. <laughs> that was not happening. <laughs> like a contraction was hitting and things were just happening. And, you know, it's fine. They had so many things. And I was on the bed. It wasn't like they had to mop up the floor or anything. So it wasn't that bad. But that was not something I would think would happen. Everyone talks about, like, pooping during labor. And for some reason, I didn't think about peeing myself (laughs) during labor. (laughs) I don't know why I didn't. It feels like so, of course, you're going to pee during labor. Why wouldn't you? But they were giving me water. Um, There are a couple times, you know, I don't remember who. It was either you or my husband were giving me like hip squeezes or massages or at some point there was like a cold compress. I'm saying this because I wasn't, my eyes were not open. I do not know who was doing these things. Could have been a nurse. We'll give your husband credit. (laughs) (laughs) He did have a very strong, firm hand to squeeze. Um, I squeezed a nurse's hand at some point and it was not it. It was not good enough. (laughs) It was too small, too, too delicate, so nice and soft. And I was like, I need like a boulder for a hand. That was my husband's. So that was very helpful. Yes, (laughs) very firm. That wasn't going anywhere. It was almost like an arm wrestle. Like he wouldn't let me move it too much, which is what I needed. I needed like a a point of contact where I could kind of move my body off of because I was pretty much on the bed on all fours. Um, At some point I had my face against like a peanut ball. I felt my nose kind of hurt the next day from like pushing my face against it. So that was um, interesting. But 
I was on the bed pretty much the whole time on all fours. I had an IV in this whole time, which I obviously completely forgot about. I had a bruise for like two weeks on my arm from just like kind of ripping that IV around. Um, They also kept trying to keep a pulse ox monitor on my finger and it kept slipping off. Um, so at one point where they were just like, it's, it's okay, it's okay, you can, you don't need that anymore. And apparently throughout the entire time, they were trying to monitor baby's heart rate. And there was no way a band was staying on my belly at that point. I was moving so, so much. And my nurse, again, Angel, that's okay, mama, you just move however you want. It's fine, it's fine, don't worry about us. I was like, okay, cool, give me that green light. I don't care about you guys. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to do me. It's fine. You can figure out the rest because I'm really phoning in on this. So she was like holding the monitor. They took it off of <laughs> after the strap and was just holding on my belly the entire time. She would, uh, bless this nurse. I was telling a friend this and she's like, I wouldn't want that. I was like, I had no idea she was there. It was like a hand constantly in the corner of my vision. She wasn't touching me. She wasn't like obstructing anything, but they wanted baby's heart rate. That was the best way they were going to do it while I was laboring the way I wanted to labor. So that was really helpful. She was just moving around with me and it was good. They had the heart rate monitor because when it came time for me to push, I have no idea how long I was pushing at all. My husband thinks it's about 40 minutes, but of course he's not watching the clock. So all I remember really is at some point he moved from holding my hand to holding one of my legs. Gina's holding the other leg. Her and the nurses are kind of telling me what's best for me to push, how I should hold my legs. It was super helpful. And like how to bear down. And while we're doing that, on my last three contractions, when the by the time the doctor came in for me to actually deliver, my baby's heart rate dropped on three contractions I think his head was like right there, it sounded like, according to my husband. And the doctor looked at me and he goes, you, I'm recommending to get a vacuum to help him out. He had to go through the side effects, obviously, which I already knew. Like, I remember in the moment, also this is probably the only time I really made eye contact because I was like, I need him to know that I'm focusing and I'm hearing him. (laughs) He's going through the side effects and, you know, what could happen. And all I remember when that was happening was, I wanted to yell at him. I already know what they are. I went through the class. You did yell at him. <laughs> For Dr. Nance. He's a great guy. You were like, I know, I know. Just do it. Just do it. It's fine. Get this baby out. Because <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, I know. I know what they are. I went through the class. Like, you don't have to tell me. You're wasting precious time. Just get him out. Like, I don't need to hear the explanation. <laughs> I educated myself, please. <laughs> so, yes, I definitely did scream at him. I, and I remember my husband, at first I started with a nod and my husband just looks at my doctor and goes, oh, she said yes. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> really wanted him out at that point because it was a lot of pain. And so he goes, okay. So I never even saw what the vacuum looked like. Next contraction, apparently it was hooked on this my little guy's head. Next contraction, I start pushing and you, I just felt... Tim, like, pretty much yanked out is what it felt like. Because after that, you know, pain kind of stopped. I didn't really notice the pain of a tear, really, because you're just like, it all, it all hurts. You don't really know what's going on. But they put him on my chest. And I remember the sun was up. So that's the only way I can know what time it was. The sun was rising at this point. 
Apparently, he they put him on my chest, and he pooped all over the place <laughs> immediately. <laughs> First great muconium poop all over my belly. So they were trying, the nurses were trying to clean it up. I didn't know that he did this until I'm holding him. He's on my chest. It's very nice. I look at my hand, and I said, is that poop? And Gina said, oh, yeah, he pooped on you. <laughs> so Blissful. I, so <laughs> wonderful, everyone. There was so much poop. Uh, luckily, they, they clean it up. I feel like the nurses didn't want me to know because who wants to know that they just have poop all over them? No one does. But... I mean, you don't care. I didn't care. I was, yeah. And I'm just like on cloud nine, on cloud nine, so happy that he's out, that I'm not in labor anymore. So happy I'm not feeling those contractions. So like overjoyed that he made it safely because there was so much anxiety for me in the last couple of weeks about his movements and making sure that there were kick counts were hitting where they should, that he was doing his normal movement patterns. If I had a cold drink and I didn't feel him, what does that mean? Like, do I need to go to the doctor? Because they always say, go if you're not sure. It's better to be safe than sorry. You hear like one bad horror story and that's all that plays on repeat in your head. So he was here. He was happy. He was safe. And Gina, part of her dual experience is birth photos. And you can read it all over my face in these pictures. Like the relief, the happiness, like the pure joy and love is so amazing Um, when he finally made it. But like I said, I never saw that vacuum. I was 100% on board. My doctor, you know, was doing his due diligence, telling me what was going on. For me, very happy that that was, that got him out, that got him out safely. He didn't have any kind of mark on his head, nothing. I don't even think he had kind of a cone head. Yeah, by by 7.42, it was his birth time. Placenta was delivered a couple minutes later. Um, Again, doctor just kind of like yanked it out. Didn't feel anything at that point. And then I had a second degree tear. I do remember, again, very focused on him when he was telling me how much I tore, because that's, you know, big, I think, in your postpartum healing. And he was looking at me, he goes, it did not tear through your rectum. And I immediately said, okay, great. That's all I really want to know now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me more about how bad it is down there. I'm just glad it didn't go that far. And my husband was definitely listening more than I was, because later, Someone asked, oh, are they dissolvable stitches? And I said, I honestly have no idea. (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't listening that well. And my husband goes, yes, yes, they're dissolvable. I was paying attention. I was like, at least one of us. (laughs) One of us was listening to the doctor. Yeah, it's kind of hard to focus when your brand new baby that you just went through, like hell and back to get into the world, is on your chest. And you're trying to bond and get to know him. And the first thing I said to him was, oh, my God, hi. And my husband's like you've known him for all this time. I was like, no, 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 but now he's here. I don't think you understand how that transition feels for a mom is that they're finally here and you can actually meet them. You know, yes, they're inside you and you kind of get to know them and you feel connected and bonded. But when they're actually there and you can look at them and you can touch them, it's just, you're finally meeting this full person. And that was just like the best feeling in the world. So of course I wasn't listening to my doctor, <laughs> what kind of stitches I had. I had no idea. And, but he was amazing. Made sure I did not feel a thing when he was stitching me up. 
He was so great. And then he was pretty much like, you look good. I'm going to go. <laughs> Congratulations. And I was like, thank you. So that was one thing I didn't really know is that most of my labor delivery was with nurses. Yeah. I was pushing with nurses. Yeah. Um, that was another thing that happened. I looked up at one point, different nurse. There was a shift change in the middle of my delivery. So I had a completely different nurse looking at me. Obviously, I did not care. She was another angel, all these nurses. So well, they also look so pretty. All their hair was done. Well, she's a day shift. I know she's a day shift <laughs> she nurse. Had time. Yeah, she said that was the first time she curled her hair in a while. I was like, well, damn, you look amazing. I, on the other hand, um, do not. But <laughs> for me, I mean, yeah, you don't care. I don't care. Gina also redid my bun a couple times <laughs> while I was in labor. It's my claim to fame is the birth hair. <laughs> it was so helpful because. I don't think my husband would know how to do that. And I don't want my hair in my face. I don't. It's disgusting and sweaty and hot. And I have a lot of hair, so I really didn't want it in my face. I mean, it was definitely very helpful. It was like she was in my head, which is what I wanted when I went with a doula. It's exactly what I needed to get to that birth that I wanted. So even though I wasn't laboring at home and just going to the hospital to deliver, and I did my entire labor delivery start to finish in the hospital, Having that doula changed the experience. It 100% made it different than I think if I was just kind of on my own with my husband and the nurses. I mean, they're kind of there to support you, but I also feel like most of their job was checking my blood pressures and um, watching my contractions and, and the baby's heart rate. They weren't really focused on my emotional well-being, I should say, um, and seeing if I was kind of panicking or struggling. There's only so much that they can really do. I also have no idea how many nurses were in that room. <laughs> I knew of uh, my initial nurse that checked me in. I think her name was Amanda. And then another one that was pregnant. And that's all I remember. But I think there were more. It's a blur. <laughs> it really is. And then I remember the nurse after I delivered because she did those massages Oh, that aren't massages. I was like, who gave you a massage postpartum? Oh. <laughs> the fake massage. The fungal rub. Yeah, those were, you know, they're fine. She was very nice. She's like, take a deep cleansing breath. Just let me know when you're ready. And I was like, I'm not, but oh. do it anyway. <laughs> you know, we need to get through this. We need to make sure that, you know, I'm not, I don't know, what is it, clotting or that you are? Hemorrhaging. Okay. I was not hemorrhaging, which I wasn't. So then they kind of just kind of shuttle you out. And they're like, oh, you can go to parts of your, the recovery room. And I sat up and almost passed out. And she's like, you need to eat something. Be right back. She comes back with a sandwich. My husband came back and he left to get coffee. For this man, <laughs> like 20 minutes after the baby's born, the doctor's like, peace, I'm done. You're good. Gina left. And could make it home for breakfast, which is so nice. <laughs> and my husband goes, is there a place I can get coffee? And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> you actually slept last night and you still are so tired. You need coffee? I was like, you bet your ass. You get me a large, very caffeinated drink. I have not had that much coffee throughout my pregnancy. And go to like this local place, get me scones. I need everything off the wazoo. So he finally comes back because there was some weird thing with visitors at our hospital in the parking lot. He takes like an hour and a half to come back. By that point, I've had like my golden hour. It was amazing. I actually think I had two hours because the nurses went to an emergency somewhere else and I was clearly fine for them to leave. 
So it was just like me and my newborn. I had no idea where my phone was. You know, there's so much of that bonding connection. And they come back. They can do his weight and everything. But it was two, I think it was two hours that I had him, like, just to myself. They really didn't – they were in no rush to do his, like, height, weight, all that good stuff. I had a blanket. I, he had a diaper, thankfully, he, so he wasn't pooping on me again. <laughs> like, a lactation consultant came by to kind of help with the first feed, which was great. I had to eat, but I, I did almost pass out when I got up again. So they had me – go on this kind of dolly system that you can, you can like stand and they wheel you around while you're standing and it looks so funny but also it was just so hilarious my husband started laughing and the nurse gave him like a death stare she's like how dare you laugh at her right now she's in a very fragile place <laughs> and I was like I mean it does look really funny I can barely move my legs just because I'm so tired and you just have so much adrenaline going through your body that when you then lie down for two hours, I was just like crashing from all the adrenaline. And so I think that's why I probably almost like passed out. I got very lightheaded, had to eat something. She, But this thing was to make sure that if I did pass out going to the bathroom, that I was kind of protected in this guarded gate. They kind of have like a gate that goes up. Very funny looking piece of equipment. So would you have an unmedicated birth again? I think so. My mother-in-law asked me the same thing and didn't believe me when I said, yeah, I felt amazing after that birth. I don't know if it was the hormones or, I mean, it is hormones, but I was like raring to go. I was so good. Of course, you still have, you know, what's going on downstairs. We don't want to talk about what that was, but you're swollen and you have stitches and you're bleeding, but... Other than that, like I was able to walk around after the fainting spell kind of passed and I ate something and got some rest, but I could walk around. I was able to like take a shower and they had me leave 24 hours later. And most of that I think was honestly because he needed, my son needed assessments that they do at like 12 and then 24 hours after birth. And then I was good to go. Um, and I think for a next one, I would definitely do unmedicated, especially if it is shorter because from active contractions to when he was born was less than four hours. That seems pretty do doable. I was very nervous going into it because my mom kept telling me she had a 26-hour labor with my older brother. And all I heard was, it was awful, it was awful. They wouldn't let me have an epidural, blah, 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 blah. Like, I feel like a lot of boomers kind of have the same story. But it was very scary for me to go into that thinking I might have like a 20-something hour labor. That's really hard, I think, to go that long. So having like a four-hour one was a lot better, <laughs> <laughs> especially thinking about another birth. Yeah, I, I think I will. It was empowering, honestly. I mean, you guys know you've done it. And after that, I feel like I can do it. I could do anything. And I could proudly say that that was like the best thing I've ever done. Like before that, it was, oh, my degree or, you know, this job that I did, this project I worked on. And now it's like, oh, I gave birth like on Medicaid. It was amazing. I can do anything now. That was like the best thing I think of, I've ever done. It was, yeah, it was great. And I feel like I had a really good recovery because of it. Maybe not directly, but I think it just helped the mentality of it all was really good going into it. So I think leaving it, leaving my delivery and going into that fourth trimester helped because 
going into it, I just wanted to be nat- as natural as I could be. And, and I was pretty much, yeah. Do you have any advice for our listeners who may be looking at getting induced to a complication or selectively getting induced, but wanting an unmedicated birth? Like, do you have any tips for them? Yeah. So for me, a big part of it was knowing what my options were, knowing what kind of knobs they can turn for your induction. For some people, they just need their water broken and their their labor kind of goes from there. So for me, knowing what kind of options there were was super helpful so that I wasn't sitting there confused if they were saying, hey, we want to do this. And I didn't know what it was. So I, after kind of educating myself and knowing all of that and knowing that I was supported in going in for an induction, I was very happy with it. So that would be kind of my recommendation. If you have a good support system, if you want to get induced for on non-medical reasons, you just kind of want to, you're done being pregnant and you just want to get induced. I think if you're happy with the decision, your support system should be supporting you, should be helping you and agreeing that if that's what you want, if that's what's best for you, for your family, for your baby, you got to kind of trust your gut and go for it. That's kind of the only way I felt okay going in for it because it wasn't what I wanted initially, obviously, but, you know, plans change and I think you have to be flexible and knowing that it's never going to go exactly the way you want. So for me, knowing my options, having a doula there was huge. The biggest, the biggest thing I think I could have done for my pregnancy and my birth was my doula so that I knew I had that support there and they're focused on me. So yeah, now I'm going through labor in the hospital from start to finish. It could be a really long process. That's something that scared me too. You don't know how long it's going to take. And having that support was just pivotal in me knowing that, you know, I can do this. I can go in and I can have the birth I want. I can go on medicated as long as I have this support. So a lot of it is mental and knowing that, you know, this isn't what I wanted and that's okay. And my plan changed, but I still have all these other tools in my toolbox that are going to get me to the goal I want. So, Well, thank you so much for sharing your birth story with our listeners and for allowing me to be a part of your birth. (laughs) Yes, I wish I could say I was going to be here for my next one, but there's no guarantee since we're military, so (laughs) chances are we could be moving again. But I mean, if I am, you already got a job. (laughs) Sounds good. I'm going to hold you to it. So during Christina's birth, her provider recommended using a vacuum assist during her pushing phase. And this is due to after three contractions, her baby's heart rate was down and taking a long time to recover. And this could be a sign that baby potentially is not tolerating that pushing anymore and needed to be born sooner rather than later. Her provider did a great job of trying to educate her and consent her before using the vacuum on all of the risks and benefits of using the vacuum. But Christina did take our childbirth education and where we went over what a vacuum is and some of the risks and benefits of using it and when they would potentially offer it. So she felt well informed when it was offered on that decision and was able to make an educated decision on that option. So I always kind of advocate for asking your providers about vacuum, forceps, episiotomies during a prenatal visit so that you can fully understand the risks and benefits. And it's not during a stressful time of your baby's heart rate being down and you have to decide really quickly if you want to use this as your provider is like spewing information at you. 
learning these risks and benefits prior to labor starting is really beneficial. With a vacuum, it is important to know they're not pulling and yanking your baby out, although it may feel that way. They're just gently guiding the baby, hopefully underneath that pubic bone to help them be born. You are still pushing during the process of the vacuum or forceps. They're just helping give baby a little extra oomph when you push. If you have any questions on pushing or pushing interventions, check our childbirth education where we go over stuff way more in depth or ask your provider. So thanks for joining us today and listening to this episode. If you want more support throughout your pregnancy, join our prenatal fitness and again, our childbirth education offerings. If you need some more support after birth, join our postpartum fitness programs and education courses. And if you are a professional, we offer birth worker and fitness trainer courses so you can learn from us while earning CEUs. Explore all of our courses on our website at mamastayfit.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow our podcast to be notified when we release new episodes. Leave a review and share with all of your friends and family. We release new episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday. The Mama Stay Fit podcast birth story Friday episodes are sponsored by Baobay, a perinatal clothing company that supports your pregnancy, birth, and beyond with their expertly curated support wear garments. Use code Mama Stay Fit for 15% off your own order.